Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Acts, the New Testament book of Acts in chapter number 6. Acts in chapter number 6. We're in this beginning series of the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul. And we already saw as we introduced the Apostle Paul on Sunday morning, we saw his life verse. We saw that his life verse, uh, a verse that you could take and really summarize a person's life and ministry, was the just shall live by faith. And all throughout this series, you'll see that concept, the just shall live by faith. On Sunday night, we got to see the beginnings of the Apostle Paul, that he was raised in the city of Tarsus, a very educational city. Then we saw... Um, that he was brought to Jerusalem and trained under the greatest Old Testament teacher there was, Gamaliel, and his interactions with Jesus Christ. But now we find ourselves in the book of Acts, chapter number 6, and we're seeing an event that is going to influence and impact the, <coughs> the life of the Apostle Paul in a very special way. And so if you don't mind, turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter number 6. The book of Acts, chapter number 6, and notice with me, starting at verse number 1. Acts 6, verse 1. And in those days, when the number of the disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procurus, and um, <coughs> Nicnor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. Whom they had set before the apostles when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in the Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians, and Alexandrians, and of them of Sicilia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. The, a, then, <clears throat> then they suborned men which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. 
And set up false witnesses which said, This man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as if it had been the face of an angel. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Acts chapter number 6? Acts chapter 6, and notice in verse number 3, the phrase, full of the Holy Ghost. Full of of the Holy Ghost. And with this, I'd like to examine the life of Stephen with the theme and the idea, the characteristics of a spirit-filled man. The characteristics of a spirit-filled man. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. Thank you for the great privilege it is to come to your word, to come to your house, to learn more of you. And as we come to this most important topic, I'm asking that you would fill me with your precious spirit. I reckon myself to be dead in my goals, my ambitions, my desires. I reckon that I am unable to do your work. I'm unable to do anything. That it has to be you that does your own work. Lord, I ask that you settle myself into your precious spirit. Settle myself into you. And that you would get your own work accomplished tonight. That you would grab a hold of some hearts. And that you would teach them this principle of dying to self and being filled with the Spirit. That they would see the example of it. That there would be something inside of them that says that's true. That's it. That's it. And that we would all, as a result of this, be more in the habit of dying to self. And more dependent upon your precious Spirit. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The characteristics of a spirit-filled man. You know, there are five specific commandments that the Bible gives concerning the Holy Spirit. If you don't mind, as to a little preface, may I explain or tell you these five commandments dealing with the Holy Spirit found in the Word of God? The first one we find is in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. You don't have to turn there, but if you'd like to mark it down as notes so you could read it later. But 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it gives the commandment, quench not the Spirit. Did you know that the Holy Spirit can be quenched? What does the word quench mean? It means it has the idea of it has of hindering, of, of squeezing it out, uh, of making it so it doesn't work, quenching it. Do you know that people can quench God's spirit? The Bible talks about that. First uh, Thessalonians 5.19, it gives the commandment quench, not the spirit. Another commandment dealing with the Holy Spirit is found in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. It says, grieve not the Spirit. Grieve not the Spirit. Did you know that we could grieve the Spirit? What does the word grieve mean? It carries the idea of to break the heart of, to make sad, to, to get in the way of. Do you know that... In that context, it's how we deal with fellow man that when we have bitterness, when we speak to people angrily, uh, we could actually grieve and break the spirit's heart. And that could hinder what God's doing. That previous one where we mentioned quenched out the spirit. Do you know that someone could come in with such an attitude that and to a church service and just that it could stop 
what God is trying to get accomplished inside of a church service. This is why God is giving us these warnings about the Holy Spirit, that we can grieve the Spirit. We can quench the Spirit. That's why the Bible says, quench not the Spirit, grieve not the Spirit. In Galatians 5.16, we see another commandment dealing with the Holy Spirit. It says, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, the Bible talks about in Amos 3.3, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? When we walk with the Spirit, we're in agreement with what God is trying to do. We're walking beside Him. We're, We're walking with Him. We're watching God work. We are in agreement with what God is doing. The Bible gives another commandment in the book of Jude in verse 20. Jude and verse 20 It gives us the commandment to pray in the Spirit. To pray in the Spirit. The Bible says in a different passage, Romans chapter 8, that we don't know how to pray for as we ought. Have you ever figured that out? You don't know what to pray for as you ought? Sometimes we think we do, but we don't know how to pray as we ought. We don't know, we don't have all the information. We don't know what God is doing. But do you know that even in prayer, you could die to self and let God take charge of that prayer and let God use you as an instrument to pray for specific things the way that God wants it to be prayed for. So it's not our will in prayer, it's God's will in prayer. But the Bible gives the commandment in Jude 20 that we are to pray in the Spirit. Then back in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, it gives another commandment. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Ephesians 5, 18, it gives us the commandment, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Do you know that's a commandment, not a suggestion? God commands us to be filled with the Spirit. Now, when we use terminology like this, sometimes people aren't clear about what that means. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, if you don't mind, may I give a quick explanation? To to be filled with the Spirit is not talking about that we're getting more of the Holy Spirit. When you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have all of the Holy Spirit that you're going to get. Unfortunately, the Holy Spirit doesn't have all of you. So when we're talking about being filled with the Spirit, what we're talking about is that we've surrendered control to God's Spirit, and He's in charge. So, again, how do we do that? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, let's say that I wanted to fill a cup. And I wanted to fill it with a substance. But unfortunately, the substance I have, there's already something in it. For example, let's say that I have a glass of milk. It's halfway filled. And I want to fill it with Mountain Dew. I just don't put Mountain Dew inside of the cup. Otherwise, I get Milk Dew. It wouldn't be filled with Mountain Dew. It'd be Milk Dew. It'd be, a, 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 it'd be something that's not completely pure. So in order to fill that cup with another substance, I first have to empty it out. So that way, when it's fully emptied of the milk, I can now fill it with another substance in this illustration, Mountain Dew. So to be filled with the Spirit, we're not trying to squish as much Holy Spirit as as much as we're trying to die to ourselves, empty of ourselves. What does that mean? 
It means you die to your goals, your ambitions, your desires, your way. It is no longer what I want. God, I'm now saying it is your will. John the Baptist said it this way, that he must increase, I must decrease. To be filled with the Holy Spirit means I surrender my control. And it is now God who's in control. I willingly yield him. I willingly surrender that. Just yesterday, I was on the phone with a preacher and he asked me this question. And he was being very sincere. How do we know that we're filled with the Spirit? What does this mean? We hear about it all the time. And he was asking very sincerely, what is... What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, in the book of Acts, chapter number 6, we're introduced to a man by the name of Stephen, whose one of his uh, qualifications, one of the things that is said about Stephen is that he is filled with the Holy Ghost. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. So what we have in the book of Acts, chapter 6, we have an example of, Of someone who is spirit filled. And from this example we can see what he looks like. What he acts like. What he talks like. We have an example of what a spirit filled man is supposed to be like. And so not only do I want to tell you how to be filled with the spirit. Which is to be dead to self. To be emptied of ourselves and filled with God's spirit. We've yielded control to him. I would like to take some time tonight and show you the characteristics of a spirit-filled man. I'd like to show you from Stephen's life, what does it look like for someone who's filled with the Spirit? Again, we have so much misteaching today. I had someone a couple weeks ago that said, when you're filled with the Spirit, does that mean that you're doing uh, flips in the aisleway and running around and getting excited? That's not the characteristics the Bible gives. Does it mean that we speak in some heavenly language? That's not the characteristics the Bible speaks. Let's take Stephen's life and let's examine what does the Bible show us as a picture of a spirit-filled man. What does it look like? Well, the first thing I'd like to show you from this passage and examine Stephen is the ministry of a spirit-filled man. The ministry of a spirit-filled man. Notice with me, as we examine this, the context of it is that the church of Jerusalem has grown to the place. It's got uh, Greek people as well as Hebrew people. And as the church is growing, there's a lot of things that need to be taken care of. And like most churches, they've expected the preachers to take care of everything. And so what is happening is that some of the widow ladies haven't been taken care of the way that other people have expected them to be taken care of. So they bring it up to the 12 disciples and they say, something's got to be done about this. And they say, well, wait a second. This is getting impractical. We can get so busy doing things for the ministry that we fail to spend time with God. And so we need help. So what I want you to do is I want you to go look upon yourselves and I want you to find seven men of honest report and full of the Holy Ghost that we may appoint them 
to this duty. So they could take care of some things so we can stay in touch with God and be right with God so we could lead people the right way. And so this was a very practical thing. Uh, if you're keeping track, this is where the idea of the deacon came from. What is a deacon? He is a glorified grocery hauler. He's, a gro- he's to go alongside the pastor and help take care of some of the servant needs so the pastor can concentrate on walking with the Lord and leading the church the way it should go. And it's a very practical thing. Notice, if you don't mind, as we look at Stephen here, we showed you a little bit of the context. How does it describe, what is the ministry of a spirit-filled man? Well, first of all, he's a man full of faith. Someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit is going to be someone who is full of faith. Someone who's full of faith. Notice with me verse 5. It says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, notice this description, a man full of faith. Notice in verse 8 again. And Stephen full of faith. So the ministry of a spirit-filled man, that what does a man look like who's filled with the spirit? He's first of all a man that is full of faith. Now you say, what does that mean? Someone who's full of faith means that they believe that God can do anything but fail. Someone who's full of faith says God can do it. God can do it. You know, it's always amazing when someone gets excited for the Lord, everybody who has wet blankets ready to put the fire out. But someone who's full of faith says God can do it. God can do it. With God's help, we can be done. Hey, it sounds like an impossible goal to knock on every door in Green Bay. But you know what? God doing it, it can be done. To have a radio station. Guess what? It can be done. To look, someone who's full of the Holy Spirit is going to someone who believes that God can do anything. And that God can help us. Let's look up. It's someone who trusts God by faith and believes that God can do anything. That's someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit. When God's in charge of you, by the way, He'll let you know God can do everything. So whenever someone's at the place... You know, we could also see the opposite. So whenever someone's at the place that says it can't be done, that's someone who's not filled with the Spirit. Does it make sense? So someone who's filled with the Spirit, they believe that God can do anything but fail. There's someone who's full of faith. What else? Someone who's full of the Holy Spirit, notice this other description, verse number 3. Wherefore, brethren, look ye among yourselves, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost. So their orders were, look among yourselves and you find of yourselves people who are filled with the Holy Ghost. Noticing in in verse number five, and the saying pleased the whole multitude and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost. Someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit, other discerning Christians can tell it. That is someone who God's in control. That person doesn't get the credit. Man, look at all that Stephen did. No, look at what God is doing through that man. Look at him being dead to self. You know, the Bible talks about being filled with the spirit is a definite experience. For example, when you and I ask people, are you 100% sure if you die today that you go to heaven? We expect a yes or no answer, correct? Because you can know for sure that you're going to heaven. Do you know the same thing's true about being filled with the Spirit? Uh, Paul actually asked some guys, are you filled with the Spirit? And when he asked that question, you know what he was looking for? A yes or no answer. 
And they, in that passage, said, no, we don't even know what you're talking about. And Paul had to lead them to the Lord. But being filled with the Spirit is a definite experience. Someone says, how do you know that you're, when you're filled with the Spirit? Well, let me tell you, I can tell when I'm not. <laughs> you can tell when you're in charge. Being filled with the, de- with the Holy Spirit is a definite experience. And for other discerning Christians, they can tell that is a man that God's in control. That is a man that is full of the Holy Spirit. Because again, what was their requirements? You look out among yourselves and you find seven guys who are filled with the Spirit and you put those guys in charge. So other people had to be able to say, that man is filled with the Spirit. That man is filled with the Spirit and had no doubts about it. So being filled with the Spirit is a definite experience. So what is the ministry of a Spirit-filled man? First of all, he's a man that's full of faith. Second of all, he's a man that's full of the Holy Ghost. That he's dead to self and it is obvious that he's dead to self. And that God is in control of that man's life or that lady's life. Notice something else it describes about the ministry of a spirit-filled man. Notice in verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith, and notice this, and power. The ministry of a spirit-filled man, he will also be a man that's full of power. The power of God. The power of God. So what do you mean by this? Well, let's imagine that I had a glove. You know, the glove... Without anything in it, it's very floppy, it's useless. I can lay it on a table and say, go change a tire, and it won't do a single thing. You know what it has to do in order to work? It has to be filled with something else. You understand that? You know, we can't do God's work. Only God can do His work. But when we are surrendered and dead to self, God can fill us, and then God can do His own work. Someone who is filled with the Spirit of God will be evidenced by the power of God in their life. And by the way, God does have great power. You wonder why things don't happen anymore? Because we're not dead to self. We don't allow God to work. God's power hasn't diminished a bit. We just stop being dependent on Him. And we try to do things ourselves. And so guess what? We get accomplished only what man can do. I don't want to be satisfied with what just man can do. I want to be satisfied with what God and God alone can do. That's someone who's filled with the Spirit of God, has the power of God. That they're seeing people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're bringing people to church. They're at the place where they're convincing people that God, Jesus, is the only way that that's the power of God he their God is working through them and it is evidenced in their life that it is God that's doing it and not them so someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit is someone full of the power of God so we talked about the ministry of this of a spirit-filled man I want to show you something else in this passage not only the ministry of a spirit-filled man but the message of a spirit-filled man The message of a spirit-filled man. What does he talk about? What comes out of the mouth of someone who's filled with the Spirit of God? First of all, it is a message full of the Word of God. It is a message full of the Word of God. Notice with me in verse number 7. 
And the word of God increased. And the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. Now what is happening? What happened is they picked Stephen and six other deacons that were full of the Holy Ghost. And as they did their work, the word of God increased. Now does this mean that... um, More of the word of God was written? No. It means that there's more of the word of God in people's hearts. (laughs) There's more people that have the word of God. You understand that you cannot be a spiritual person without first being a scriptural person. You cannot be a spiritual person without also being a scriptural person. You say, how can I be filled with the spirit of God? You've got to allow the word of God to saturate your life. You need to be so full of the word of God. You've got to put it into you. You've got to keep putting into you. Someone said an apple a day keeps the devil away. That's a lie. You need a feast on the word of God. You need to devour it. You need to put it in you. So you can't even have any more. Saturate it with you. But what's going to come out of a spirit filled person's life? They're going to be talking about the word of God. Every conversation you talk with them, they want to talk about the word of God. They bring up the word of God. They bring up the word of God. When you're around a spirit-filled person, guess what they want to talk about? The word of God. The word of God. You know, I've I've been around people a lot. Sometimes they want to talk about the sports teams. They want to talk about the movies. They want to talk about this. You know how rare it is to find a Christian? Yea, you know how rare it is to find a pastor? Who wants to talk about the word of God. And you know what that is evidence of? A lack of being filled with the spirit. The message of a spirit filled man. Is going to be full of the word of God. It just comes out of them. That you just talk with them. And the word of God just pours out. That is an evidence. Of someone who's filled with the spirit of God. The word of God just comes out. What else do we see? Before I go on, let me remind you what the Bible says in Romans ten seventeen: For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You want to have more faith? You know what you need? More of the word of God. Amen. There is a direct correlation with the word of God and faith. You need more of the word of God, you'll have more faith. More of the word of God into you, the more spiritual you'll be. You cannot be a spiritual person without also being a scriptural person. Someone who says, yes, I'm filled with God's spirit. I'm right with God. How's your Bible reading? I haven't read in months. That doesn't line up with what scripture says. You cannot be spirit filled without also being in your scriptures. What else? What is the message of a spirit filled man? Not only is a message full of the word of God, it is also a message fervent in opposition. It is a message fervent in opposition. Notice with me in verse number nine. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertarians and the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and of them of Sicilia and Asia disputing with Stephen. So what happened is that they they heard about this Stephen guy who's filled with the spirit and they went to all of the different colleges and universities And they brought them in just to dispute with Stephen. They started saying, well, what about this? And what about this? Well, what about this? How about that? And they came in for the purpose of trying to dispute with Stephen. 
What happened is that they were not able to resist the spirit which he spoke of. So now what? Now they start to get nasty about it. Verse number 11. Then they suborned men which said. That word suborn means they hired and convinced. So what they did is they hired and convinced men to lie against Stephen. Then they suborned men which said. We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. How would your message be when it comes up that people have come up and are purposely and intentionally lying against you? What would your words be? Would they still be sweet and kind? Or would they be ready to defend yourself? Would you be ready to go to war because of what people have said? Notice verse 12. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and put him to the council. You know what they did? They arrested him and they put him on trial. They have people that's lying against him. And you want to know something about a spirit-filled man? Their message doesn't change. You know what happens when we get to a group of people we get afraid of? We stop talking. We don't want to witness anymore. We put the tracks away. We tuck away the Bible. Nope, nope, nothing to see here. But someone who's filled with the Spirit, the message doesn't change. It doesn't matter what crowd or what circumstance. Their message does not change. Because God gives boldness with filled with the Holy Spirit. And that we could witness or talk to anybody, even when they have murder in their heart, even when they hired people to lie against them. A spirit-filled man has a message that is fervent in opposition. It doesn't change. You want to know something else about a spirit-filled man? It's a message that's focused on Christ. It's a message that's focused on Christ. In Acts chapter 7, what happens is the men put Stephen on trial. Acts chapter 7 is Stephen's defense. He begins to talk to the council and the courts, and he begins to explain to them uh, their history and how they've rejected God's will over and over. Notice at the end of it, Acts chapter 7, and notice with me in verse number 52. (laughs) The message of a spirit-filled man is a message that's centered on Christ. Verse number 2, or 52. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which have shown before the coming of the just one. By the way, if you're not sure who that is, that's Jesus. He says, you killed all the prophets. Now it's no surprise that you killed Jesus. Of whom you've now been the betrayers and murderers. Notice with me in verse number 56. Stephen is getting ready to uh, be uh, stoned. And he says in verse 56, and said, behold, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing on the right hand of God. You know what he's talking about? He talks about Jesus. He talks about Jesus. Someone who's filled with the spirit can't help but to talk about Jesus. Why? The spirit's job, according to the Bible, is to exalt Christ. So you know what the spirit wants to talk about? Jesus. So if the spirit's in charge, guess what it's going to talk about? It's going to talk about Jesus. By the way, you always have to watch out. If someone says that they have some type of spirit and it doesn't exalt Christ, it's not the spirit of the Bible. I'm just trying to be a help. But the spirit-filled man is someone who talks about Christ. That's what they talk about. If you could forgive the personal illustration, 
Um, after September 11th, I was in the military for September 11th, and they had pulled me from my regular medical duties to help augmentee security around the Air Force Base. We were in Luke Air Force Base in Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix, by the way, is where many of the terrorists were trained how to fly the planes. And in uh, Luke Air Force Base, we had... Um, more fighter jets in one location than any other place in the world. So we're pretty much a hot target for anyone who wants to attack a military target. And um, so we did a lot of security. I think throughout that time, I was put on, um, on eight months of augmentee. And what happened is that we would work 14-hour shifts. It was technically 12, but with... Uh, one hour of loading our guns and formation and switching shifts, and then one hour afterwards ended up being a 14 hour shifts right after September 11th. Um, I worked 11 days straight, 14 hour shifts with no day off. Then we got one day off. And then we worked another 11, got one day off. Uh, just how it goes. And uh, what would happen is that they would often partner us up with different people. And for some of you who get to know me outside of church, guess what I want to talk about? I want to talk about Jesus. And so what would happen after a while is that people started to look on the shift just to see who stuck with me that night. And some people would switch shifts to get make sure they weren't with me. And there were some who would switch shifts just to be with me. 14 hours in a car with me. Guess what we're talking about? We're talking about Jesus. There was one young man who had gotten saved, accepted Jesus Christ as a Savior, but he had never really grown, never gone to church, just kind of um, hung out. And uh, what happened is that he started to get shifts with me and started looking forward to it. And I would open the Bible and begin to teach him. He started coming to church, and then we started discipling him. I started discipling him. He was unfortunately at the moment shacking up with a girl. And I remember we were going through discipleship and, and it got brought up that, you know, if you're going to stay right with the Lord, you can't live with her anymore. What's your intentions? Well, I want to marry her. Well, that's fine. You should work for that. But why, until you're married, you can't live with her anymore. And I remember the day he went to go tell her that. And she was not saved. She says, what kind of cult have you joined? What is this? She called me up and yelled at me and was horrible. But, you know, because of the testimony that he had and as he changed, she came to know Jesus Christ as her Savior. She now does ladies' meetings, and she tells the story of how her husband came to know Jesus, or started to grow in the Lord, and how she came to know Jesus Christ because of that testimony. Why? Because some guy just couldn't stop talking about Jesus. And they, uh, man, we pack, I got oh, so many stories that happened there. God would literally place me with people for 14 hours, and they couldn't get away. And we would tell him all about it. One of them was a police officer. If you could forgive another personal illustration. I'd talk to him about the Lord. And he knew he needed to get saved. And I would talk with him. We would sit and we would talk and talk. And I, he had small kids. And I said, you don't need to get just saved for yourself. What about your children? This thing about heaven's important. Where you go is where they're going to go. I remember um, I went back to the hospitals to work. And I was driving on the base. And all of a sudden I saw lights behind me. Okay, well, what's going on? Pull over. It's this guy that I've been witnessing to. And he says, God told me that this is my, when I, as soon as I saw you, this is my last chance to get saved. Can you tell me again? And so he pulled me over just so I could tell him about the Lord. Why? A spirit-filled man has one message. That's a message about Jesus. Just tell him about Jesus. Tell him about Jesus. A spirit-filled man 
His message is full of the word of God. A spirit-filled man is someone who's fervent in opposition. A spirit-filled man has a message that's focused on Christ. Not only do we see the ministry of a spirit-filled man or the, me- uh, the message of a spirit-filled man. I want to show you one last thing here. I want to show you the manner of a spirit-filled man. The manner of a spirit-filled man. How does he behave? What does he act like in the midst of hardships? Well, remember, the Holy Spirit is God. And so if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to act just like Jesus does. Hold your finger here. Let me show you what Jesus acts like. The Gospel record of John, chapter 1. The Gospel record of John, chapter 1. It's just the book before Acts. John, chapter 1. How does Jesus act? John, chapter 1, and verse 14. John 1, 14, and it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Now notice this, full of grace and truth. How did Jesus act at all times? He was full of grace and He was full of truth. Someone who's filled with the Spirit is going to have both truth and grace. By the way, there are some people that have Grace and no truth. You know what happens? It helps them. It doesn't help people. So there are some people who have truth and no grace. All they do is make people mad. But someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit is going to have truth and grace. Let's illustrate that with Stephen's life. Look with me back in Acts chapter number 51. Acts chapter 7. Acts 7 verse 51. First of all, we see this boldness in preaching. He told the truth. And by the way, this is some hard stuff. Verse 51. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. That's pretty bold. You know how you can get boldness like that to tell people the truth when they need it? Because of the Spirit. The Bible talks about Acts chapter 4, verse 51. It said it equivalates being filled with the Spirit and they got boldness. If you lack boldness in your life, you know what you need? The Spirit of God. You need to be filled with the Spirit. and You will have the boldness to witness to others. And you know, there are some people that are scary. By the way, these people have the intention of killing him. And he still told them the truth. He didn't change the message to get out of it, to pacify them, to maybe make them stop. He still told them the truth. You know, something else about the manner of a spirit-filled man? Not only is he bold in preaching, but he's graceful under pressure. I want you to see Stephen's reaction in Acts chapter 6. Let's go back and let's see. So remember, in Acts chapter 6, in this passage here, they set up false witnesses. They paid people to lie against him in court. Now, it's one thing to have someone lie against you, but this is a court. They are perjuring themselves. They are purposely lying. What would your reaction be? What would you be feeling like inside? What what would be going on here? Notice Stephen, verse number 14, Acts 6, 14. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered them. So they're lying against him currently. And so they all look at Stephen to see his reaction. What would your reaction be when people are openly lying against you and they're looking? What is your face going to look like? And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him, that Stephen, saw his face 
as if it had been the face of an angel. What does that mean? When they looked at his face, it was a face that was full of peace. Someone who's filled with the spirit is able to endure peacefully when people lie and misuse and say things against you. Someone who's filled with the Spirit is not trying to get back at them or planning on showing them back. You know, that's flesh. By the way, that's the normal reaction. No one would blame Stephen for being upset at this time. But instead of being upset, they looked at him and it looked like the face of an angel. It looked like looking at heaven itself. There was such a peace and calmness and tranquility. And they took note. They said, there's something wrong here. There's something up. They took notice of that. So Stephen gets a chance to defend himself and he preaches a message. But they don't like his message. Notice what happens as we tie it down. Verse 54. And when they, that's the people who lied against him, who hate Stephen, heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly to heaven and saw the glory of God and Stephen, uh, Jesus standing on the right hand of God. So here they're planning on murdering him. And as they're rushing him, he looks up and he sees God. And he says, everything's all right. God's got things handled. And so, verse 56, and said, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Verse 57, and they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet. Whose name was Saul. So what happened is that they took him outside of the city. And outside of the ancient cities. They would have a little pit. And they would put a victim inside of the pit. And outside of the edges were stones. And so what they did is they took stones. And they began to throw it at Stephen. It would hit his leg. It would hit his arm. You could hear the bone crack. As his arm stands useless. Another uh, rock hits him. And he could feel a crack in the blood trickling down his face. What would your reaction be? How would your spirit be right then? What would be in the inside of you? Notice verse 59. And they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he knelt down and he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. While they're in the process of murdering him, he looks up to God and says, praise a prayer, God forgive them. When someone's lying against you, is that your first instinct to say, forgive them? When someone is planning on doing you harm, they've done you much harm, they're killing him. And he's saying, Lord, forgive them. I want them to go to heaven. Would that be your response? By the way, That's not the normal response of flesh. You know how this response comes? Being dead to self. Dead to self. And filled with the spirit. Now by the way. What does dead to self mean? If we had a a horse up here that was dead. I can kick that horse. I could elbow drop that horse. And it won't feel a thing. If you are dead to self. You are dead to both compliments. And complaints. 
if you're dead, it doesn't affect you. If it does affect you, that is evidence you're not dead. By the way, sometimes that's a helpful. Oh, I'm not dead to self. Let me die. <laughs> I need to be filled with the Spirit. But when they're stoning Stephen, he's not saying, I'm going to get back at you. God's going to strike you down. He says, Lord, forgive him. I want him to go to heaven. I want him to go to heaven with me. What's amazing is that there was a young man by the name of Saul who kept the coats of the people. He was consenting to his death. He, he was cheering them on when they killed Stephen. Well, until they rocked him to sleep. Saul was a young man there. And you know, if Stephen did not ask God to forgive that crowd around them, it could so happen that Saul might have not gotten saved. It could have been that Saul not getting saved, then a hundred something churches wouldn't have been started. Fourteen books of the New Testament wouldn't be there. Just because a man full of the Holy Spirit, surrounded by enemies, asked God to forgive him still. You never know what your enemies will react like when you are filled with the Spirit. You know that Paul never got over this? When he gives his testimony later on before courts, you know what he says? There's one time he goes back and says, let me tell you how I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. It started with a man named Stephen who I killed. And he asked forgiveness of me. He asked that God would forgive me. He says, that never left me. It haunted me. It went with me. I never left me. And it took a little while before Saul got saved. But it was always Stephen in the back of his mind. He never got over it. He never forgot it. You know, sometimes God allows us to go through trials. And if we're dead to self, sometimes those same enemies who want to kill us, can be affected by us being dead to self. Remember, it's not us. This is not something we can work up. It's not something we can muster up. It's not something we can do better on. It's something that happens when we are dead to self and filled with God's Spirit that it is God that's in charge, not us. What does a Spirit-filled man look like? Well, we have the example of Stephen. We can see how he talks. We can look at the facial expressions. I saw someone uh, say this the other day. That keeping the words in my mouth is not a problem. It's my face I got to work on. You know? When they looked at his face, it looked like the face of an angel. This is what a spirit-filled man looks like. This is what he acts like. This is what he talks like. And by the way, this isn't a foreign thing. This is what could be our message, our manner, our ministry. If we are dead to self. We need to, be, we need to stop being so self-sufficient and be more God-dependent. The quicker we realize that we're not as good or as important or as powerful as we think we are. And realize, I need Jesus the more that God is going to use us. We just need to get to the place where we die to our rotten, stinking, awful selves and say, it's not me, it's the Lord.
And God can give us great power. You know what's missing in churches today? The power of God. You know why it's missing? Because God's people don't die to self. They try to do it themselves. They try to muster it themselves. They try to do everything themselves. And we miss out on the power of God. And God working. As you study the book of Acts, as they're filled with the Spirit, notice it says the word of God multiplied. The disciples increased. You know what's going to take for this church to grow like it should? Us being dead to self and God working. And guess what's going to happen? The word of God will increase. The disciples will increase. But it starts with us recognizing it's not us. We must die. I want to be filled with God's Spirit. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.